0: This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Well, take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. And we are studying this wonderful book verse by verse. And uh, that's what we call expository study, expository teaching. And I pray that it's been a blessing to you. And we have done basically that throughout this part of the book thus far as verse by verse and taking all of these marvelous truths and bringing them uh, to the surface of our heart and our mind. And tonight uh, we're going to pick up with verse number seven. So if you find first Peter chapter five, and this is probably one of my most favorite passages in the Bible. And I will tell you this, if you've been a Christian for any time, this verse right here is probably one you know about as well as John three sixteen. This is a precious verse. And uh, we'll get these scriptures for you on the big screen. You can turn if you'd like, but uh, you can read them a whole lot faster as we get them on the screen for you. And we are preaching straight from the Word of God. And so if you have the place in 1 Peter 5, verse number 7, I want you to look at this passage carefully tonight, and I want us to look uh, at a couple of spiritual truths that uh, will get us going forward in, in the study this evening. But again, this is probably one of the most favorite passages that I have referenced uh, through the years, and, and I know that it's been a blessing to you. And I want to share with you just a thought, perhaps, um, as we get going in the Word tonight, this precious Scripture, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You think about that just for a minute. You know, our cares in this life are Many. We have troubles, we have sorrows, we have bereavements, we have mental anguish, we have physical stress, so many perplexities that we face each and every one of us during the day, during the week, during the year. Some things we anticipate, some things we don't. Some things come at us like lightning out of the blue but i'm glad that we have the assurance of scripture and we have the encouragement of scripture that whenever we do get into these perplexed times there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother and no matter the trouble no matter the trial no matter the weight that is upon us the lord jesus gives us the invitation he says listen i'll bear that for you just give it to me reminds me of that scripture matthew 11:28 where he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I don't know how many of you have really taken time to study that picture of the footprints of the sand. And you see those single solitary footprints that are going along on the shore. And the object of that picture is to imagine yourself being carried in the arms of our loving Jesus through the midst of uncertainties in life. But here's the thing that I want you to think about in this particular scripture, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you, is that our cares may be many in this life, but God only has one, and that's us. I want you to think about that. That's us. I'm reminded of that old song, Oh, How Much He Cares For You, How Much He Cares For Me. But this is a scripture where you can park and just refresh yourself. When you don't feel like praying, some of us have been to that place. We've been so overwhelmed at times you didn't feel like opening your Bible to read it. And thank God we have a Bible. We ought to be reading it every day. The Bible ought not to be just something that you hear about and you read on special occasions, but the Bible ought to be something that you're reading every day. The Word says in Second Timothy to show ourselves approved unto God. We've got to study. We've got to get in the Word. I'm thankful. I'm so thankful that in my early days of ministry, And and I'm celebrating almost 45 years of ministry, 42 of them right here, but I can remember many, many, many years ago, I'm thankful that I had people in my life that were willing to open this Bible and to teach me what God's word said. Well, I didn't have to just take somebody's word for it. And I've encouraged you many times, don't take my word for it. Open God's word and check it out yourself. But I'm thankful for somebody that took the time to open it and show me and teach me. And uh, there are many times, and there are many things I don't even understand about it now. There'll probably be hundreds upon hundreds of things I don't understand until I get to heaven. I'm glad I don't have to figure it all out. I'm glad that God's word through the Holy Spirit will speak to me, it'll speak to you. But we will never know what God's word says if we don't get in it, if we don't take time to read it. And so we've got to do that. I want to thank all of you for being here in this Wednesday night group. This is amazing. this is where we study the word. Sunday we preach the word. Wednesday nights we teach the word and teaching is going on all over the campus tonight and I'm thankful for that but think about this our cares may be many but God has one and that's you and me and so let's think about that but and because you have to remember something when i say god only has one that doesn't mean that we exclude those that do not believe because Obviously, the word of God says in Luke nineteen ten, son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. But we have to remember this. We were all lost until we found the Lord. Every single one of us. Now, I want you to look at verse number eight as we continue. This is an interesting word here. Be sober. That does not mean don't get drunk. It's not what that means. And, I, and by no means am I telling you that's okay to go get drunk. I'm not doing that. But when you read verse number 8, I want to talk about that just for a minute. Because Peter gives some great encouragement. He gives some admonishment. He perks our attention up here with this verse. He says, be sober, be vigilant. That means to be focused. And he gives the reason for that. He says, because your adversary, all of us have an adversary, Spiritually speaking, every single one of us do. Peter says this, because your adversary, and he explains it, he identifies it, the devil. Let me mention this to you. The devil is just as real as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There is a real devil among us. And by the way, the devil right now is not in hell. And this scripture here predominantly identifies that. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, Peter says, the apostle Peter says this, the devil as a roaring lion. And he didn't say he was walking on the hot coals of hell among you. He said, your adversary, the devil, walketh about. He's, he's, He's among us. Some way or another, every single day, we encounter his activities. And we have to contend with that. It's it's a real devil in this world. Now, one day, thank God, the devil will be cast in hell for all eternity. And there will be a day that we can all sing glory, hallelujah, around the throne of God and not have to worry about the devil anymore. And we won't have to worry about the effects of the devil and the effects of sin and all that he does to wreck have it in our life. But right now we do. And Peter is giving this admonishment to the early church. And he says, listen, you better walk with your eyes open, your spiritual eyes open, because you have an adversary and he's after you and he's walking among you. And Peter doesn't just give us the idea that this devil is just walking around chanting and giving fruitless, frivolous words. But Peter gives us very precise caution in this. He said, the devil, our adversary, he's our enemy. He's not only ours, he's an enemy with God. And the Bible says he is accuser of the brethren. He's before the throne. The word says before God day and night, accusing us before God. It's another passage, another message, another teaching. But Peter says this, his purpose is that he's seeking whom he may devour. None of us, including myself, none of us will ever be spiritual enough to where we frighten the devil, to where he just completely leaves us alone. I'm telling you right now, he is after us, and we do not intimidate him. I'm so thankful that we are more than conquerors through him, through God the Father. But the devil is after us, and he's seeking, he's seeking our destruction. He's seeking us to have troubles and trials, and he certainly supplies us with enough of them. But the thing that I want you to contemplate tonight is that when Peter's writing this, of course, he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, is moving upon him, And Peter is writing as the inspiration comes his way and as he's taking his pen and writing on these parchments and he's giving us this great epistle. Here's the thing that I want you to know that as many times as we have already seen in chapters uh, one, two, and three, and we're now in chapter five, here's the thing. Peter, when he recognized When he recognizes the adversities of the devil and the problems that he personally encountered. We have to understand this, that in so many ways of explanation, the adversary, the devil, as Peter writes, actually devoured him on several occasions. Do you remember what Jesus said to Peter? He said, Peter, the devil desires to sift you as wheat. Peter, if you think about it, remembers, I believe that as he is writing, he remembers when he was devoured, especially in the courtyard of the high priest. When Peter denied the Lord three times, do you remember that? That was a night, that was an occasion when Satan devoured him. Jesus had pre-warned him. He said, Peter, before this night is over, you're going to deny me three times. And you remember what his response was? He said, not me, Lord. I'll never deny you. I'll go to jail for you if I have to. I will die for you if I have to, but I will never deny you. And Jesus Jesus said, Peter, before this night is over with you, you're going to deny me three times. So as Peter is writing this verse, he's writing the scripture and he's saying, be vigilant. Walk around with your spiritual eyes open, be focused, be awake, sober, be awake, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, he didn't say your adversary, He, he, he identified the adversary the adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And I'm sure Peter is frozen in time momentarily as the Spirit of God is giving him these words because he remembers that. In fact, I want you to see this. Let's stop right here just for a minute. Let me give you a scripture, because this is a Bible study, and I want you to have this scripture reference, and I want you to see this in Luke chapter 22, St. Luke chapter 22, and I want us to look at verse number 31 and 32. Let's look at this, because Jesus had warned him. What I'm saying tonight, what I'm declaring to you from the Word, Jesus had already pre-warned him and the scripture says this and the lord said simon simon behold satan hath desired you that he may sift you as wheat and then the next verse says this but i have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not and when thou art converted strengthen thy brethren okay so let me remind you of something else peter not only was devoured by the adversary in the courtyard on the night that Jesus was betrayed. But also, Peter, you remember the Lord when he got to Gethsemane? He told the disciples, he said, you guys wait here. I'm going to go a little farther. Peter, James, and John, you come with me. And Jesus told those disciples, he said, listen, I want you to watch and pray. Peter had actually failed the Lord in Gethsemane before he even got to the courtyard. Because when Jesus said, I want you to watch and pray, after Jesus had finished praying, he came back and what does the word say? He found those disciples asleep. So Peter had actually failed the Lord Before the denial, he failed him in Gethsemane. So when Peter said, be sober and be vigilant, there's no doubt in my mind that he speaks these words with great earnestness, with great uh, admonishment to us. Keep in mind this, that the devil is the malignant enemy of both God and man. We have to remember that. And he shows no partiality. I mean, the devil doesn't like me more than he likes you and vice versa. Believe me, we're all on his hit list, every one of us. Now, in verse 9, as we keep pressing on in the study, Peter says this, after he gives us great admonishment here and words of caution, he then says this, in verse number nine, he said, Whom resist steadfast in faith, in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world? And so let me emphasize something tonight out of verse number nine. It doesn't matter how spiritual we are. From the pulpit to the pew, every one of us. Listen now, none of us can resist the devil in our own strength. All of us are powerless and defenseless without the power, the wonder-working power of the blood and the Holy Spirit. And let me emphasize this again. The devil on our own as we stand the devil is not afraid of any one of us in our own strengths. Absolutely not. But he is terrified of the Holy Spirit. Let me emphasize that again. In our own strengths, in our own person, because if you remember what Jesus said in John 15:5, he said, without me you can do nothing. So, so don't ever feel that you can get to a place of spirituality where the devil is afraid of you. Now, he can be afraid of the Holy Spirit working in you and the power of God working in you, but you, yourself, me, myself, we don't intimidate him. That's why we have to be vigilant with our eyes on He's terrified of the Holy Spirit. And if you have been born again, according to St. Paul, he said this, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit when you become a believer. The Bible says that we are baptized into one body, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. We can resist the devil, listen carefully, and Peter gives this explanation. I want you to look at this word faith in verse number nine, underline it a little bit. Whom resisted or resist steadfast in the faith, underline that word in your Bible. It's okay to write in your Bible. I've said this many times. If you have a Bible that's tattered and torn and worn out, it's usually owned by a person who's not. Think that through. Look at this. Whom resists steadfast in the faith. We can resist the devil by abiding steadfast in the faith. Now, one thing that I want you to remember about this devil that we're talking about in the scripture here is Peter writes, and that's this. Even though you and I in our own abilities and our own strengths, we are no match for him and he's not intimidated by us. You have to remember this. And it goes back to 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. You have to remember this, that no matter how loud he roars, and no matter how far in the earth that he seeks us to devour us, we have to remember this, that he is a defeated foe. He will never win. He was defeated on the cross through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, First John chapter 3, verse number 8, it says this, "'He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning.'" And that wasn't referencing in the Garden of Eden. Do you remember Satan rebelled in heaven? He said this when he was the most beautiful created of all of God's angelic beings. Satan approached God one day and said, I'm going to be like you. I'm going to be like the Most High. The Word of God teaches us in Isaiah. He said, I'm going to exalt my throne above your throne. I'm going to be like the Most High. And what he was basically saying is, God, we need to change places here. That's not going to happen. It wasn't going to happen, and it didn't happen. And so God, through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross, has declared him a defeated foe. Look at the scripture. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And when Jesus died on the cross and God raised him from the dead, it was the gospel. It was the thing that defeated Satan for all eternity. So although he walks around in this world, this life is a roaring lion trying to afflict our lives, and he's very successful at that in times. We have to remember this, that no matter what, through the blood of Jesus, we're more than conquerors through him, and he will not destroy our soul. Now, verse number 10. But the God of all grace... Not some grace, not a part of grace, a form of grace, a little grace, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal, eternal, look at that word, glory by Christ Jesus. After that ye have suffered a while, that's talking about the suffering that takes place from the from the cradle to the grave. And all of us have a journey. Some of us get to that place in Christ a little early, but I promise you none of us will get there late. And Satan, he has the goal, he has the mission to afflict our life, verse 9. But the God of all grace, and Peter says, listen, you have to be reminded of this. And it's sort of like the benediction to what he's writing. But he says, the God of all grace who hath called you unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that, you have suffered for a little while and we will suffer in this life. I love this word grace. That is what carries a child of God through the adverse circumstances of this life is the grace of God. But I want you to notice all grace, limitless supply of, available always to us now keep this in mind no matter what satan cannot win and god's grace cannot fail always remember that satan cannot win and god's grace cannot fail now, if you think about that in your tempting moments and in the moments where Satan is just wrecking havoc in your life, when Satan's just wearing you out, have you ever had a day like that where you just knew, you felt like he was wearing you out? And you, you, maybe you've said to God, is he bothering anybody else today but me? You ever been there? Absolutely. No matter how bad it gets, Satan is a defeated foe. And I want to give you the scripture here from St. Paul in Romans chapter 8. And I want you to look at verse number 35. I'm going to read verse 35 through 39 for you. It leaps right off of the pages of the Holy Scriptures. But this ought to be something that you cherish Because when you feel like you're experiencing one of those days when God's wearing you out, and you question, God, where are you? God, why are you allowing the storm in my life? Why are you allowing the devil to wear me out? Why are you allowing him to have the advantage or the upper hand in my life? Why is this happening? And maybe you even question God on further things. God, if you loved me, And maybe you step back from that and say, now, if God, if you're really real, and we start questioning our faith, try your best to remember these scriptures here. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter eight, beginning in verse number 35. He said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Look at this. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness? or peril, or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. Paul is saying this is happening everywhere. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, look at this, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, Paul said, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind, I am 100% convinced And Paul, he gives us with great assurity, he said, I am persuaded that neither death nor life Nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when you feel like you're going through a day and the devil's wearing you out, remember this. He cannot win and God's grace cannot fail. And that's a wonderful assurance we have in the scriptures looking at verse 10, we all suffer. We're all going to suffer a little while on this earth. But Peter says that's part of the process. That's part of life. That's part of life's journey. But I want you to look a little deeper here. Yes, we will all suffer, no doubt about it. But I want you to look at those words, a while. Look at that. Let me remind you of something tonight. God puts a limit on our suffering. He knows what we can bear. He knows what we can take. He knows what we can endure. I'm reminded of Brother George who just passed away, and as I mentioned to you, he was in agony the last few days of his life, excruciating agony. He would just yell, and my dad, right before he died, he was in the same boat for a couple of days. And I thank God for his mercy. But George would lay there in his bed, and, and he would just, they, he, they couldn't find the source of his pain. But let me tell you something God was merciful. God knew the limit, the load limit that he could bear. And when he got to the place that he could not bear it anymore, God took him home. So thank God he puts a limit on suffering. And here's the thing that I want to leave you with tonight, basically. There's not one of us who will drag an ounce of suffering into heaven. Suffering will be eliminated from our mind. It will be eliminated from our body. We won't even remember what it was about. Suffering is not welcome into heaven. But if you look at verse 10, Peter also goes on to say that the suffering that we endure, look at this. This is is amazing. This is what I like about studying the verse and studying the word of God. And you take words one at a time, and you have the the benefit or the blessing of somebody teaching you the word. Look at this. That after you have suffered for a while, why? What is the purpose of that? Why does God allow us to go through these things? Here's the purpose. Here's the reason. After you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Now, that doesn't mean that if we go through a period of suffering in this life that we're going to suffer ourselves into sinless perfection. That's not what that verse means. But look at this. this. This will work towards our perfection. The word establish here means determined. That's that's what this means. And let me ask you to think with me just for a moment. What is God determined with? What is his determination? When you you trust in his son Jesus and you give your heart to Christ and God sets before you his will, his desire for your life, what what is his determination And that's this. God is determined to sanctify us in such a way to conform us into the express image of his son, to conform us, to sanctify us, to make us like him. That's that's what the word says. God uses suffering as a part of the process. Now, You notice the next word here beyond the word perfect, and that's the word establish. Look at that. Underline that. And that word means to strengthen, to strengthen or to equip us. Now, the next word here is the word settle. What does the word settle mean? It means to ground us. It's the ground wire of our life. And so perhaps Peter had in mind, at this point, the Lord's parable of the two builders. I know I'm past time, but I want to read a couple of more scriptures for you. In Matthew chapter 7, I want you to see this in verse number 24 and 29, and I'll close with this tonight. Look at these scriptures here on on the screen. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, Jesus is speaking, every time you read the word of God and you find the the wording in red, it's Jesus doing the talking. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not, for it was founded upon A rock. Now, let me remind you, what did Jesus say to Peter? It wasn't that. Can I have an amen? He said, upon this rock, what? I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But look at this. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And so that's amazing. Well, let me read the verse again and we'll close. But the the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, established, strengthened, that it may settle you. God's word does a lot of things amen casting all your care upon him for he careth for you you listen to pastor tony kahoot for more information visit our website at bufordroadbaptistchurch.com